Bert Corwin watched the ominous storm clouds west of Rapid City from his front yard the evening of June 9, 1972. Tragically, the next day, Bert was at a mortuary there to identify three family members who had perished in the flood. I am Bert Corwin. At the uh, time of the flood, June 9th, I li lived on a house on Valentine, which is just below Hangman's Tree off of Skyline Drive. And on that afternoon, I was outside doing yard work and watching the clouds. And it was very interesting that they would move to the east and then they'd move back. Usually a storm front will move on through. And it just hung there. It just kept moving back and forth. They had been doing some experimental cloud seeding at that time. And I saw a plane flying, but later I was told that they did not seed the clouds. During that summer, they, they did see clouds to increase rainfall. But after dark, about 10 o'clock, I called my parents who lived in Braverman Edition, which is a community that just above the fish hatchery. Phone was dead. I didn't get any answer because it was raining. I was concerned about what might be happening due to the fact that they were living right along Rapid Creek. So I couldn't reach them. So I tried to drive out there, and I drove out on Jackson to get to Braver Edition, but the street was flooding about where Oshime uh, Mortuary is, so I couldn't get any farther than that. So I went back to my office, which is on 810 Mountain View, and I couldn't get down Mountain View because of the water, so I went down Jackson and then came in the back way into my office. And the, and the office was built so it was set a little bit higher and there was not water or never did get in the office. But as I was in the office, I could see cars with people floating down Mountain View. And Bennett Clarkson Hospital was right across the street and the basement got flooded and, and, and so on. So I never was able to get in contact with my parents. So, you know, we went to bed. And the next morning, I received a call from a person that had my father, and he was out on Jackson Boulevard. So I went over, and he took him into his house someplace 10, 11 o'clock at night. He'd been out in Canyon Lake Park in the flood area, kept him for the night, and then I picked him up and took him home the next day. He was not injured, but he was pretty scratched and shaken and the story then that my father had, living in Braverton Edition, he and his neighbors went out to the creek because it was raining and so on to check the water level, and it was contained within the banks of the creek. It seemed to be okay. And so he went back in the house. Uh, that was about 8, 9 o'clock. And then my dad, after he went in the house, water started coming in the house. So he elected to put the family, there was his wife, her mother, and my half-sister. And he said, well, we better get up in the attic. So he started to put people up in the attic, and he put my grandmother up there, and the water came in the house and pushed him up into the attic. And the rest of them, my, uh, my stepmother and uh, half-sister, never made it. They, they perished right then. And... Uh, so he was up there in the attic, the roof of the house left, and there was the roof of the garage. So he took off and stepped on the roof of the garage, and the garage roof 
broke away and started to float down Rapid Creek. And it floated into Canyon Lake. And it was turbulent water, and it was floating. And you know how debris will float towards the periphery. So it kept floating around. And then it got to the periphery and went over the dike of the dam. You know, there's a long dike, and then there's the spillway, the dam part. And it, it, as it went over the dike, he uh, was dumped off from the roof on the ground, and he was able to grab onto a tree. And about that time, water came all over his head, very high. What happened is the dam broke, and it didn't last too long. He hung onto this tree and was able to keep from being taken away with the water. So the water quieted down. And then he looked around, and he was close to Jackson Boulevard. So he got a stick of some kind that was muddy and hard to walk and walked over to Jackson Boulevard and walked across. And a neighbor there took him in for the night. And he was pretty scratched up, and his clothes were all full of mud and kind of a mess. But he took him in and took care of him. And so he stayed there for the night, and then I came and picked him up the next morning. And of course, the rest of the family was missing. So the next morning, I went to the uh, mortuaries around the area, and I did find them. They, they'd all perished in the flood. And uh, the only thing that remained where his house was, was a safe and a floor jack. Everything else was completely gone. And I think in Braven addition, there were somewhere 20-plus homes. There was four that survived were still there. One was the house that I lived in, but I didn't own at that time. And right now, there's only two of those houses remaining that are along the creek. And they declared that a floodplain all along Rapid Creek throughout Rapid City. And the, the cities took the land, and we never received anything for his lot or his property. But my dad did get a 1% SBA loan, which he could use to build a house. So that kind of is the event that happened as far as, as my family is concerned. Interestingly enough, my dad perished nine years later in an automobile asphyxiation. And actually, his wife got killed in a fire in 1933. So You've escaped all kinds of bad luck. Yes. And I live to, and how old are you now? I'm uh, 91. 91, wow. That's fantastic. So it was quite an experience. And of course, the, the city was just demolished, you know, houses all over and mud and debris. And it was, it was a mess. Where you lived at the time, that didn't get flooded. That house stayed there. Actually, there's a bridge came down to Braver Edition, and the house west of me had hit that bridge and then stayed there. And I was behind that, that house, and the house stayed there. That house was moved, and it was moved to another part of Rapid City and is still in existence today. Interesting, that house stayed. So I guess if we'd have been in the house, we'd have still been there. But the good Lord was with us, and we'd moved the fall before up to the house. It was on Valentine, just below Hangman's Tree. So that's where I could see the storm when it was yeah. coming in. Yeah. It just hovered right there and never moved. An interview with Bert's father, Mead, detailing firsthand Mead Corwin's flood survival, was recorded on July 9, 1972. 
just one month after the tragic events that took several lives within the Corwin family. The audio and a transcript are available within the South Dakota Oral History Center interviews portion on the Flood of 72 page at rapidcitylibrary.org. Despite the common themes and some shared experiences among the survivors, each story stands on its own because each offers a perspective as unique as the individual sharing it. We thank this episode's guests for sharing their memories and observations regarding the events of the night of June 9, 1972, and its lingering aftermath. If you have a personal account of your experience during the flood of 72 that you would like to share, we'd like to hear your story. Contact the Rapid City Public Library at 605-394-6139 or email ask at rcplib.org.